0: Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website.
1: If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch.
0: You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts.
1: Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime.
0: Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex.
1: That's it. That's our intro.
0: Now, time for the show.
1: And we are recording for Contrarians Corner for Four Brothers.
0: Hello and welcome to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined as always by my one brother, my co-pilot on the never-ending flight of the contrary. Mark Wahlberg's fairly problematic in this movie, so um, (laughs) let's say... I was going to say,
1: am I the Josh Charles to your Terrence Howard?
0: Well, I'd hope not. But you know <laughs> never know, can't trust people these days. You're <laughs> fiery and you know, Latin though, so Sophia Vegara, maybe. Are you Tyrese? No, no, not in that situation. I'm not
1: gonna jump on the on the washing machine for you, Alex.
0: Man, I, I don't know. Uh, sorry, Julio, you're a handsome man, but I can't do Sophia like that. You're not that good looking. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry to break it to you, but you're no Tyrese either,
0: Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not Terrence Howard either, but I am an emotional guy, so I'll take that because we we get some classic misty-eyed Terrence Howard in this. And then you live a straighter life than I do, so you can be Andrea Benjamin. You can be Jeremiah.
1: That is true. I am the, the <laughs> as close to family man as we can get here in The Contrarians.
0: So... Hello. Welcome. John Singleton making his debut on The Contrarians. Uh, are you familiar with any of his other work?
1: I I think I might have seen... Is it Higher Learning?
0: He did do Higher Learning. He wrote and directed that, yeah.
1: Is Jennifer Connelly on that one?
0: Jennifer Connelly, Ice Cube, Omar Epps, Michael Rappaport, Christy Swanson, and Lawrence Fishburne.
1: Okay. I I really... I should watch it again. <laughs> because when you... like Thinking back on it, I'm like, that does not seem to be from the same guy that did Four Brothers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he also did Boys in the Hood, which is a very famous film. Uh, got nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay for that movie in his directorial debut. Uh, I saw Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson. Infamously, Samuel Jackson promoted it on Monday Night Raw. Uh, he did Too Fast, Too Furious, which... now
1: There's a Tyrese
0: connection. Is that the second one? What year did that mm-hmm. come out? It's in the title, Alex. Too fast. Dude, there's so many. It could be 22. It could have been the 22nd one. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I did see, I'm pretty sure I would have seen that in Four Brothers. And then uh, his last entry came up during our uh, Twilight retrospective and that abduction, the Taylor Lautner attempt to be more than a bad actor with abs. Uh, <laughs> my god that
1: uh, he, he really was all over the place I I had no idea I always thought John Singleton was uh, and this proves just how little I knew about his filmography because I, I always thought he was more of a you know kind of like the next generation of, of you know people that would be like oh the next Spike Lee or so you, you know just somebody that was making uh, movies about black people and black community and you know because I think <laughs> higher learning was a little bit about that but then abduction. I <laughs> know. Oh,
0: Get paid, brother.
1: It, that is the deadest room.
0: But we're here to take a trip back to 2005 and his film Four Brothers, written by David Elliott and Paul Lovett, who both have fairly limited credentials. Uh, it looks like their other big claim to fame was penning G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, uh, which came out a few years after this.
1: I mean, I'm pretty sure they're still collecting residuals over it.
0: Yeah, I would imagine so. In this movie, everyone made a pretty penny on a $30 million budget, which is kind of modest. Well, not everyone is as famous then as they are now, so I think maybe this was kind of a steal, as they say. Uh, on a $30 million budget, had an over $90 million box office return. Uh, so let's get to it. I'm excited to talk about this one. I This was um, a rental and one that was like a uh, a hot ticket in college. Uh, but This was before I started working at the theater. And I, I think we rented it. There was a Blockbuster in Denton. Uh, it was still there when I left. Uh, but in 05, you know, 06, the idea of that video store was still pretty popping. I kind of remember when the red boxes started popping up around campus. There was one by my house at the 7-Eleven that I frequented quite often. But th- there in the beginning, when I first got to school... You know, the blockbuster would be popping on Friday nights. I remember one time renting uh, Devil's Rejects on VHS and watching it in the dorm room, like buying a bunch of candy. And uh, me and a few dudes and a couple chicks had like, you know, a, the equivalent of a, a slumber party watching fucking <laughs> Sherry Moon ACT. Uh <laughs> And I do remember Four Brothers being one of those fuck yeah movies. Um, So before we get into it and before we even discuss why we're doing this, let's just go ahead and explain what it is we do here on The Contrarians. And that is Rage Against the Rotten Tomatoes Machine. That is our battle cry. Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is highly rated. A lot of times accompanied with that logo that a lot of people love to flaunt that says it is certified fresh. And what we'll do is make a case for maybe why that isn't true. Be it poor acting, bad directing, lazy storytelling, bad score, whatever we need to find to sink our teeth into to make our case, to make our stand, we will do. Conversely, on Rotten Tomatoes, we'll find movies that are lowly rated. We typically shoot for about 30% and below. Uh, In this case, we'll be making an exception for one of our wonderful patrons. Um, And what we'll do with that, one of those nasty green splotches, those maligned entries into the the Rotten Tomatoes zeitgeist, what we'll do is, as you could imagine, make a case for the film's positive merit, be it bold storytelling, good screenplay, great score, great soundtrack, you know, underrated acting, cinematography. We We've had to go places to make our cases uh, in the past, <laughs> but you know, it's all in an effort to get the job done and the job is making our case against Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we do this for two reasons. Number one, Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is kind of a flawed system in the sense of those scores don't always tell the whole story. And there's a lot of movies out there that people unfairly um, judge just based on this numeric score that really doesn't tell the whole tale. And uh, number two, uh, you know, art is subjective. You can be as over the moon about something as you want to be. Or if you truly set your mind to it, you can just be as negative and cynical about anything. That comprises the first half of an episode, part one. That's what we call Contrarian's Corner. Julio, if listeners want to know how we really feel about the movie we're discussing, and in this case, Four Brothers is rotten at 52%, so we will be hyping the fuck out of this movie here in the first half. (laughs) Julio, back to you. If listeners want to know how we really feel about the movie we're discussing, in this case, John Singleton's Four Brothers, they just need to check out the second half, part two.
1: That is correct. Part two of every episode, aptly titled Real Talk, is where we tell you how we really feel. This has nothing to do with the tomato meter, the scores the gimmick of the show. Now, this is just how Alex and I experienced the movie as we sat down to watch it. Uh, he already gave us a little bit of history about him and Four Brothers. I have also seen this movie before a long time ago. I did not have Four Brothers watch parties. I watched it once when it came out. And I could tell you, I probably haven't really thought about it until it was brought up just a couple months ago when one of our wonderful patrons said, hey, do this one. Uh, that patron, by the way, is patron Sachin. I hope that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. It could mm-hmm. be Sachin? Sachin? Whatever the case, he he reached out and uh, I don't know if he likes it or he doesn't like it. I just know that he wants us to talk about it on the show. So so that's what we're going to do.
0: Yes, and to circle back, college was the last time I would have watched this also. So sadly, that's far in the rear view mirror in terms of my age and the years that have gone by. Uh, so there was a lot about this. I did not remember. So I'm pretty fired up to uh, discuss it. 52%. You,
1: you used to be Garrett Headland when you watch this at first, and now you're watching it through the eyes of, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Terrence Howard.
0: No, I was Garrett Headland in this uh, then, and now watching it, I'm Garrett Hedlund and in inside Lewin Davis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as long as you're not Garrett Hedlund in that sentence, I think we're okay.
0: <laughs> That's somewhere in between. <laughs> I, I was struggling to remember the name of that movie, too. I was telling my sister, she watched this with me. I was like, and then I was like, yeah, and a couple years after this, he was the bad guy in Kill, Spree, Death. <laughs> I, I I couldn't remember what it was called. and I was like, ah! Kill Bacon. Yeah, I loved that movie. Why can't I think of it? Yeah! I got the drop 52% on Rotten Tomatoes critically, based on 132 reviews, and then based on over a quarter of a million ratings, the audience score is 80%. So it has a proud, proper standing popcorn bucket that is uh, red-striped. But you One know, of those
1: movies that just absolutely showcases the divide between popular vote and uh, the electoral college.
0: There you go. But we pay attention to what the tomato meter says in this case, and as I mentioned... It is rotten. So, Julio, what reviews were you able to comprise for Contrarian's Corner?
1: gonna start with Sarah Michelle Fetters from MovieFreak.com, who says, This is one of the most painfully pained by numbers screenplays I've seen in ages. Every cliché in the book gets thrown at the screen. No twist constructed in obvious familiarity goes unturned. Alex, I think there's been plenty of times here on the show where we've come to the defense of clichés, as they call them. Uh, tropes, they're tropes because they work. If they didn't work, they wouldn't be tropes because people wouldn't keep using them. So to just criticize something because it's something that that follows a formula, that is very shallow criticism, right? (laughs) If anything, you should criticize why, even though it sticks to the formula, it's not working for you. But to simply say, oh, look, I recognize that this is something that happens in many movies. Yeah, it, Well, yeah, we do, too. And that doesn't mean that that you can't like it. Have you seen movies like Four Brothers before? Yes. Many. <laughs> Enjoyed them all, right? <laughs> Next, Dan Feinberg from ZapToIt.com says, It's rare that you catch an acclaimed mainstream filmmaker dropping all pretenses and giving in to the desire to make pure pulp. Yeah embrace it
0: oh yeah that sounds like a positive review (laughs) like he submitted it it hit it you know it's the two-party system he hit the green splotch when he meant to hit the red tomato and he's like oh fuck fuck (laughs) fuck and like went through
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like you know pulp there's nothing wrong with pulp i like my juice with pulp it's healthier uh pulp fiction got tarantino his first oscar it's true yeah uh, more people should embrace the pulp good for singleton Next, uh, Stephen Hunter from the Washington Post says loud, stupid, unrealistic, overdone without a thought in its ugly little head and kind of enjoyable. (laughs) What?
0: Again, the page refreshed before he could select the right option.
1: This one actually kind of annoys me because it seems like he's coming in really strong. And then at the last second just backtracks a little bit it lacks commitment i was like if you hate the movie that much that you're gonna call it all these names mm-hmm. then then just follow through don't don't just push out at the end and go like oh but you know it's okay i gotta like it it just commit, steven commit the way that john singleton commits in this movie it's like fuck it we're in hollywood Next, Cynthia Feuds from Pop Matters says, Along the way, the brothers and their increasingly pathetic adversaries indulge in all manners of license or officially overlooked violence, because making things right for your mama is all that matters. Yes. And? (laughs) Cynthia, I don't know what your relationship is with your parents, but I know that I would go if I had the means and I had to... uh, just seek justice on my own like i would go on a rampage the way that the brothers go here this is america this is what we do
0: (laughs) guns and women
1: (laughs) wisecracks along the way
0: that's right it's a it's a hoot and a holler
1: i'm gonna close with something that uh it just filled me with joy Jason Anderson from Globe and Mail says, All that's missing from Four Brothers' battery of of cliches is a speedboat chase, a role for Carl Weathers, and a villain with a pet cobra.
0: Okay. Now that's. This isn't like 80s schlock. This is definitely like 90s (laughs) style action. So. What
1: makes it. What would make it 80s schlock? The Carl Weathers role?
0: All of well, the boat chase, not necessarily because, you know, you could have that. But like the Cobra thing and Carl Weathers. I mean, you could have Carl Weathers in this, but I know what they're going for, like Commando Predator type thing. And it's not that. What was that Keanu movie that came out around this time? Was it Street Kings?
1: With uh, Chris Evans? Uh,
0: I believe so. I mean, There was kind of like a revival or not a revival. It was probably like the death rattle of these types of like nose on the pavement, hardened, you know, action movies. So these definitely aren't accompanied with the the whimsy and kind of, you know, everyone always says the optimism of the 80s. Um, So I disagree wholeheartedly that action movies of the mid 90s to the mid 2000s are like in line with those of the 80s and early 90s. This is this exists in the same universe as Speed. It does not exist in the same universe as Commando.
1: Yeah, it, it kinda lacks the the unrelenting belief that America is best that you find in something like Invasion USA. Yeah. This is more like, oh man, stuff living here in America. <laughs> <laughs> but we must prevail. Um well, those are the quotes, Alex. Uh, if you guys want to hear some fresh quotes, well that comes around when we get to real talk. But first, gotta go through Contrarian's Corner. This movie's rotten, so we're gonna praise the hell out of it. Let's do it, Alex.
0: My name is Bobby Mercer. Some of you probably knew my mother. And some of you probably know she was shot about a week ago across the street. Four Brothers summer release towards the end of summer in 2005, August 12th. Uh, Interesting, considering... Let's just get it out of the way. This is that extremely rarefied air of movie that you can consider a Thanksgiving movie. It does end near Christmas. but it being thanksgiving is a pretty significant part of the plot it is not entirely thanksgiving like what are the ones we've done ice, tra- uh, ice train ice train <laughs> ice train was pretty sure <laughs> ice train Deersters. was a wrestler yeah and uh, <laughs> and hope for the holidays those are both you know take place specifically on those days but i mean
1: those are also the two ends of the of the spectrum, right? Because home for the holidays <laughs> like very much around Thanksgiving, whereas the Ice Storm has maybe one scene that has to do with Thanksgiving dinner, and then the rest is just people having sex or and trying to have sex. And uplifting good
0: time. <laughs> yes. And then you got you got planes, trains, and automobiles, and you can also do Rocky one and Rocky Two because those are centered around some Thanksgiving action as well. What I'm trying to say here is that Four Brothers can be entered into your movie lineup for Thanksgiving this year. Uh, We're allowing it. I'm making the claim. Uh, I'm making the decision right now. It's not a claim any longer. (laughs) Julio, are you okay with this? Are we okay with considering Four Brothers a Thanksgiving movie?
1: I think we can give it the the contrarian Thanksgiving seal of approval.
0: The movie begins uh, with we don't see him as often as you think we would here, but the customized studio signature, love it. The paramount studio signature, but it's like a blizzard going on. Mm-hmm. You know, those, you really see those with like, uh, or you did, um, with like Spider-Man being 20th century Fox and X-Men being 20th century Fox. And like the original Nolan Batman movies kind of have, that, that's what I think of when I think of like the different, instagram filter or something that gets put over the studio signature that they they don't just do for every movie so right away you know that four brothers is a big deal
1: so what's the connection like the blizzard because it's just snowy yeah throughout the movie that's that's the the the
0: opening scene there's like a snowstorm going on
1: okay because it could have been like instead like the paramount logo multiplies and it's like four of them
0: (laughs) it starts like a kaleidoscope or some shit yeah (laughs) Uh, An elderly woman, Evelyn Mercer, is murdered at a convenience store in Highland Park, Michigan, when a robbery occurs that results in the death of the store clerk, and Evelyn was left as the one and only witness. The incident brings her four adopted sons back home to Detroit, Michigan, to find out what happened. The oldest is a lifelong criminal. Hot-tempered Bobby. The second oldest is the family man and union construction worker, Jeremiah. The third oldest is an ex-hustler and former U.S. Marine angel. And the youngest is an aspiring rock musician, Jack. We'll we'll get to the breakdown here in just a second. But that sets the table. And of course, being that this was a movie released in America within the time frame of 9-11 still being fresh in everyone's minds, we have some pretty hardcore xenophobia, specifically anti-Middle Eastern rhetoric here in the beginning. Just got to move past it. You know, it's I would assume that the writers of this and the director would express regret in shoehorning this into their movie.
1: I mean, I think it's one of those you're cut up in the times, right? It's, <laughs> just put in this timestamp, move on. It seems like an easy way to to misdirect the audience because the opening of this movie is meant to fool you into thinking that this poor woman this uh ellen burson look-alike that she eh. she just happens to be the wrong place at the wrong time right but then much much later in the movie we find out that no this was an intentional uh attack this was she was targeted but you don't think about that that doesn't even cross your mind when you open the movie and the, the two guys that come in and and set off the the inciting incident they're just racist and xenophobic and they just shoot the middle eastern owner of of the store then you don't even think that they were there actually for the the old white lady that was hiding behind the the shelves so at least they used it for a storytelling function other than just spewing hate Uh, but yeah i mean that's probably if you were to remake four brothers not if when they remake four brothers (laughs) i'm sure that that'll be something that won't be part of the story anymore
0: and also, at this point, it, it I guess it would technically be anti-Islam because they call him uh, Osama. And obviously, Osama bin Laden practiced the Islam faith, so I guess we could narrow it down to anti-Islamic. Uh, I can tell you this,
1: Alex. Uh, it, this is already more thought put into those five minutes than, than there were probably in the original brainstorming session <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, it was just like, oh, they'll just say something anti Middle Eastern and you move on with it. But like my when you said the remake, the thing is now that's such a dated reference that people wouldn't get it. So, yeah, they'd have to come up with something else like, hey, jerk. You know,
1: (laughs) now they would complain about woke America.
0: Then they would shoot the guy. Uh, So for the purposes of our film here, the main takeaway is that Evelyn is gunned down. It's pretty fucking brutal. We just kind of see the outside of the shop and see the the uh, flash of light of the gun and hear the gunshots. Um, Now, that's an opening, though, in the sense of like that you have my attention and I want to know what's going to happen here. This takes us to the opening credits. And one of the things Julio and I were talking about before we pressed the record button was this cast. And now in 2005, obviously, some of these names aren't as big as they would go on to become. But for myself and Julio, this is just like a fucking murderer's row. We know Mark Wahlberg, Tyrese Gibson, Andre Benjamin, Garrett Headland, But then we got Terrence Howard, Josh Charles of recent uh, Hairspray discussion. Sofia Vergara. Muppets in space. (laughs) Sofia Vergara, who is... Unbelievably stunning here and still is to this day. Taraji P. Henson, who obviously yep. has had massive success since the release of this movie. Also, unbelievably beautiful woman. And then Chewie, Chueto Alpha 4, the man himself. It's just it didn't stop. And who, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in over 10 years. So I was just like, holy shit. I had forgotten about all these players involved. And if that opening... Uh, Scene with, with the robbery and gunfire doesn't catch your attention. Reading these names back to back to back will definitely have you intrigued with what's about to follow. Back in
1: 2005, where was it that you stopped reading the names? Right. Because obviously you're like, oh, Mark Wahlberg. And then who gets second billing? Tyrese?
0: I believe so, because, yeah, he would have been uh, on fire with the Fast and Furious movies. Right. And then Andre and, Benjamin.
1: I mean, he would get your attention anyway because of Outcast. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe your eyes start glazing over around the time that Garrett Hedlund comes around.
0: I think that's fair. Cuz for Andre Benjamin, I think the only like big thing he had had a role in up to this point was Be Cool. I know he had a couple other things. Um obviously with something we are extremely high on, you can go and check out our semi pro episode that wouldn't come until a few years later. Uh but yeah, Garrett Hedlund was definitely the unknown of these four. Terrence Howard had a name at this point though.
1: As the guy you call in to cry.
0: Well-known crier, Terrence Howard. And then where was our boy Chewy at? Uh, oh, he had love, actually.
1: Playing almost the exact same character.
0: Well, I mean, that'd be awesome. Like, if <laughs> someone went and saw this unaware, I'm like, hey, it's that guy. So we meet the players. We meet the four brothers. Mark Wahlberg, Bobby, Tyrese, Angel, Andre, Benjamin, Jeremiah, and Garrett Hedlund is Jack. Of course, he's the baby. He's the young one. They are all back home. They're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving together, but also burying their mother. It's a extremely somber tone. Immediately upon returning home, Tyrese says he has to go run an errand or something. They start giving him shit. Like, you're going to go see that girl, aren't you? He's like, no, I'm not. And then we cut to him and Sofia Vergara making a jailbreak out of an apartment. A guy's chasing behind him, firing at him. Um, as someone who has specialized in dating um, Latin women from time to time, I just want to tell Tyrese, I get it, man. I understand.
1: <laughs> have you been shot at?
0: I have not been shot at, but I would be shot at for Sofia Vergara. I can tell you that much right now.
1: And O'Neill would too, for the record.
0: Well, he would fire back. You know, Jay Pritchett's always packing, <laughs> so <and laughs> he would take care of business real quick. Yeah,
1: how huh? serious are you with this dude? Prisoner!
0: Mark Wahlberg, Bobby refers to Sophie. That's Sofia Vergara's character as Loco Ono, and <laughs> that's one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in my life. Well, but, then,
1: then that has to lead us to an unavoidable conversation. If she is Loco Ono, then, you know, we have four brothers. There were four Beatles. I guess the, the the obvious correlation is that Tyrese is John. So who are the others? Is Mark Wilbert Paul?
0: Yes. Yes,
1: Garrett Hedlund has to be Ringo.
0: Yes, and so that would make sense for Andre Benjamin being um, George. George Harrison. Yeah, that was easy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was actually that went a lot faster. I thought.
0: Obviously, being very hyperbolic about that Loco Ono line, but I was I laughed so hard at that, and I was like, "How did no one else ever get that in before this movie? How did it take until 2005 for someone to figure that out?" Well. Now we know. <laughs> All it takes <laughs> is four brothers getting together. <laughs> also, did you catch Mark Wahlberg with a random glow reference? What? <laughs> Tyrese and Andre Benjamin start fighting. Mm-hmm. And Wahlberg says it's the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. He says like oh. Nitro and Midnight or something. He he calls them that. And I was like, I did not expect a, a glow reference in this movie.
1: Wrestling chainsaw. <laughs> Didn't expect it either.
0: It is Thanksgiving, as we said. They start having a meal. There's this big fat turkey in the middle, and they take like two bites and they're like, Well, let's go figure this out. That's when they they spend all day making Thanksgiving dinner and they say their prayer, and then after about four or five bites of food, they figure out that they want to go avenge their their mother, which is admirable and just. But as a fatty, I'm watching it and I'm like, All that food, that turkey just came out of the <laughs> oven. Enjoy it, man.
1: Well they're gonna have leftovers. I mean Thanksgiving dinner
0: leftovers for a month. As, yeah. Uh, ben Affleck says in reindeer games. <laughs>
1: uh so so these brothers. Looks, we haven't even addressed like the, the, the main thing, like the sort of like the, the calling card of this movie is because it's on the poster and you know it's like They're not really brothers. I mean, they are brothers, obviously, in all the ways that matter. But biologically, they're not. And you can tell because two of them are black and two of them are white. And it's the kind of thing that the movie addresses right at the beginning. And then that's it. It moves on in a way that's uh, kind of refreshing, right? Because you would think that this would be a sort of political statement that runs through, through the entire story, right? Like something about just how white people and black people relate and uh, but no i mean it's like the movie establishes pretty early on that they they had trouble uh childhoods and they came together as you know with this foster mother that ended up adopting them because they were the, the four foster kids that nobody wanted and that's it they're brothers and in, the, in, in a way like the movie from that moment on after that explanation it's pretty much colorblind like you never see the color of their skin affecting how the plot turns out you know what i mean like for, for the purpose of the story, Andrew Benjamin could have been a white guy. Tyrese could have been a white guy. Bart Wahlberg could have been a black guy. And everything kind of like plays the same. And I was not expecting that. I mean, you can make a story that makes those distinctions and plays with those, with those plot elements. And I'm not saying that that would be wrong. But to see a movie that is colorblind in a good way, in the sense that it's like, look, in the end, we're all the same. Like we were saying at the beginning, you know, we're, we're all living in America and it's a pretty fucked up place to begin with. So... Mm-hmm when the chips are down, we all band together and it's not about the color of our skin, but just about who killed our mom. That that's that was that was something that I was not expecting. I was it, again, it was refreshing because that meant that we could just uh, push all the political stuff to the side and just focus on telling a, a strong story.
0: Originally under the impression the crime was a simple robbery gone wrong, the brothers chase down and interrogate a false witness to the police, after which the brothers discover that the robbery was a cover up for a hit put out on Evelyn. The brothers track down the pair of hired guns who shot and killed Evelyn, and after refusing to give up any information, the two hitmen are executed by the enraged Bobby and Angel. The next day, the brothers' friend-turned-Detroit Police Lieutenant Green and his partner, Detective Fowler, confront the brothers about the murder. While the brothers deny any involvement, Lieutenant Green warns them that their interference with Evelyn's case is ill-advised, and it'll put them in over their heads. So they go out and like any good video game, you know, they get into some shootouts, track down some leads. Things don't go their way and uh, they choose their adventure, so to speak. And in this case, uh, there's a shootout in an apartment complex. Uh, Mark Wahlberg tries to shoot a dog, two dogs, and then the dogs attack him. So I was like, good. Uh, (laughs) They eventually get chased up.
1: Even better for Singleton to not have, uh, because Tyrese comes and saves him, but Tyrese doesn't shoot the dogs either. He just sprays him with the fire extinguisher. All right, we we found a compromise.
0: And this movie has a lot of people being shot, and a lot of death in it, and a lot of like action and explosion and all that shit. The violence is kind of tempered. Uh, You see blood, and you see, like I said, people getting shot. But this, what we're talking about here, when they this false witness, they chase down. He falls out of like a. He tries to escape via rope out of like a sixth story window, which is. Hilarious, yeah commendable <laughs> and hilarious that he had that rope there set up so he had been in that situation so many times before that he <laughs> got a rope long enough to escape but they cut him down and he's like writhing in agony on the ground you don't know why and then there's just like this panning shot to his leg completely compound fractured and it lingers there and it is <laughs> stomach churning
1: <laughs> and then mark wolver makes a joke about it <laughs> to defuse the tension <laughs>
0: He calls it a spare rib or something, right? Yep. Yeah.
1: So this in this video game, uh, are you playing Mark Wahlberg and you just call in the other three brothers to assist from time to time, or are you rotating who you play as?
0: Yeah, GTA five style. You rotate who you play as. You can like select um any one of them at any point. I mean, some missions may make you play as a specific character, but you know, you get to see a little bit more of their lives in this video game scenario.
1: Right. The, the side quest where you have to take the kids to the ballet class that you, you can only play that as Sandra Benjamin.
0: <laughs> when they find these two hit hired hitmen, I, I laughed really hard at this because it seemed like something I would do because I'm so oblivious. Sometimes they walk into a bar and they're looking for a guy with a goatee and Garrett Edlin goes, there's one and like points at him <laughs> and the, it immediately blows their cover. Like Mark Wahlberg goes to slap his hand down, but those guys already figured out and pull their guns out and start firing car chase is awesome and then yeah they don't do too much conversation they should have said that they should have been like we just want to have a conversation and then like john goodman and hangover three when they shoot him end of conversation
1: <laughs> this is pretty brutal it's uh, an execution right it's it's, it's justice uh, assuming that they're right and the movie obviously ends up Proving. I mean, well, at this point in the movie, we know we don't know for sure that these are the people that killed their mom, but we have a pretty good idea that they are. Yeah. Um, so when they when they kill them, when Mark Wahlberg and Tyrese shoot them, we're not conflicted about whether they got the right person or not. But it is, it is still just ordinary citizens taking justice in their own hands. And mm-hmm. there is that shot of Garrett Hedlund's reaction to the whole thing that I think allows the movie to to show, like, hey, <laughs> we know that this is vigilante justice. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are repercussions, emotional repercussions to taking the law in your own hands. Because Garrett Hedlund looks horrified. And it's, it's fascinating because having watched that sentence not that long ago and covering it on the show where he plays... A different character a very different character he's he's a bad guy in that one and he is uh, but but i could see just the the connections right like the echoes between one movie or the other because in that movie kevin bacon also goes on a vigilante streak and he takes matters in his own hands decides to deliver justice on his own because he doesn't believe in the system the way that mark Wahlberg and his brothers don't believe in the system in this one and yeah. bacon ends up making things escalate to where his wife dies, his kid almost dies. And, you know, there's tragedy. And you could make the argument that maybe he shouldn't have done that. He should have just taken the loss of his son originally and then not gone looking for retribution. And and then here we see it happen again. It's like Mar Wahlberg goes and pokes the bear. And eventually, as the movie progresses, that's going to come back and and hurt him again. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Garrett Hedlund—it's it's it's just so funny to think of that that connection because Hedlund is the the one that's <laughs> evil in the in that sentence, and it's just what two years removed from this movie, and he looks so different here. He looks like a kid.
0: He really does. He looks like a a teenager. Yeah.
1: So, so is that? Do you think that they just made him look younger in this one? Or did they age him up in that sentence?
0: Honestly, shaving a head can do a lot in terms of making someone appear older or younger. So they might have just gone with it and been like, well, let's just see what happens.
1: And he was like, so I get to kill people in this one?
0: (laughs) Who's the kid? Oh, that's Jack.
1: He's the youngest. First class fuck up. Third class rock star.
0: Terrence Howard. He's here. And uh, Blake from camp tiger claw <laughs>
1: <laughs> i said muppets in space earlier It's muppets from space I, I that's going to haunt me
0: for the rest oh, of my man. life yeah, yeah. <laughs> that peeling back the curtain on this one a little bit julio and i sometimes will f- figure out we made the wrong reference and we're such like sticklers <laughs> will text be like hey can you edit that one out i said the wrong movie
1: <laughs> yeah there's no fixing it here i'll just i'll own it that's fine I'm sorry, hey, Judge You're a,
0: you're a better man than I. I would have been like, we need to take that again. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, Blake, Tiger Claw. I'm just seeing because his face, his menacing facial expressions in this are kind of like Blake. So that that was making me laugh. But he's a hothead. He tries to fight Tyrese here just because they're talking shit back and forth. And Terrence Howard is someone we reference a lot, but we haven't had too much of. Here on The Contrarian. So were you happy to see him? Did you think the credibility. And overall stock of the film. Rose when he came on screen.
1: Yes. But also the ambiguity. About the the role that the police force. Was going to play in this, in this story. Because like I said. I've seen it once before. And I didn't remember. The, the specifics of the plot. So I couldn't tell you who, like, if he was a dirty cop or not. I mean, obviously, the movie eventually makes it clear, but um, for about half of the movie, you don't know whose side he's on. Like, were you, well, I guess you've seen this more often than me, so you probably, did you know that he was on the up-and-up from the beginning?
0: It's been long enough that I've seen this that a lot of things surprised me again. But yeah, it's Terrence Howard. He's not going to be a bad guy. Come on, man.
1: Oh man, he 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 gets outdone on the "Come on, man" department. The, the "Come on, man" person in this movie and now forever is Andrew Benjamin. I don't think anybody says "Come on, man" like Andrew Benjamin does in this. Movie. I got a
0: family. <laughs>
1: yeah, he doesn't cry though. Like he's still, Terrence Howard still has the.
0: Terrence Howard has the Oscar clip and where his eyes get all misty in that one part. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, that's the thing he, he showed up he saw that first day of shooting with uh, andre benjamin and then he came on the set the next day and did that scene where he's like you know tearing up and they called cut and he went over to him and he whispered hey man your arms ain't long enough to box with god
1: <laughs> uh, you know speaking of oscar clips Alex, everybody because i think that this scene already happened at the- The big group Oscar scene is when they all see the video, the footage of their mom getting killed.
0: Oh, yeah, man. It's rough.
1: We didn't see that at the beginning of the movie. The singleton cut to an exterior shot, like you said, and you just see the flashes. But then you thought you were safe from it. And no, no, no. We get to see it now on the surveillance camera footage. Mm -hmm. And everybody gets a close up. Wahlberg, Tyrese, Andrew Benjamin. Garrett Hedlund, Hedlund can't even like finish watching. He like walks away and he's like in the background, but everybody gets gets their their big moment to act. Do you have, I, I know it's, it's a tough question, but do, can you pick like your best, like who, who wins in this battle of uh, Oscar reactions?
0: Probably Hedlund. I mean, Marky Mark's going for it, man. But you know, it, this is that type of reaction and acting has never been his strong suit. Uh everyone's giving its effort but I think Headland's the one you feel the most for. And they you know it's he's the youngest so you're going to have a little more sympathy with for him to begin with and then so it's um I think it's his scene to take.
1: Wolberg gets an early cry. Early a lot of crying in this movie which, which makes sense. I mean they they do gun down a sweet old lady but uh earlier in the movie he gets that one moment where he's looking at himself in the mirror and he starts crying.
0: Oh yeah. After trying to put up a hard front.
1: Yeah. He's like, I'm going to get a head start on these guys. <laughs> you got Terrence Howard on set. got to bring the A game when it comes to crying.
0: And speaking of the A game, the main event shows up here. Uh, We're introduced to our villain. Number one, Victor sweet played by Chouette f four. And my God, what an opening scene he has here. I did not remember that. He's the bad guy and not just the bad guy. He's wearing the fur coat. He's talking mad shit to all these guys. Uh, in this opening scene, this guy, one of his henchmen, is trying to eat while he's accosting them because they fucked up with this hit. They hired uh, in-state hitmen. He said he wanted out-of-state hitmen. And this guy tries to eat. It looks like he's eating you know, ZD or some shit. And it's like, you hungry? You want to eat? And then he throws his food on the ground. And he goes, eat, dog. And the guy kind of looks at him like, are you serious? He's like, get the fuck out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh. he, when he's making him eat, I guess the guy's wife or girlfriend or, you know, his gumar is like, that ain't right. And he goes, he says like, shut up. Matter of fact, get over here and eat with your boy. <laughs> and then makes her get down on the ground and eat with them. It's it. Hel- this helps because this puts you at ease of what kind of movie this is. We have dealt with some heavy shit, family members dying and whatnot. Um, but for me personally, this scene kind of lets you know that like, all right, this is a movie where the good guys are gonna win in the end, so let's just enjoy what's going on. It won't have um at that point in the movie, I knew we weren't gonna see anything like Death Sentence where just more people are gonna die, you know, in the sense so, of so like the movie
1: fooled you because we do lose yes, one of the yes, brothers.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's my that's my point. This movie subverts your expectations with this. Uh but at this point I'm having so much fun. And have we gotten chewy like this any other time?
1: Oh, man, this must be his most hateful performance. <laughs>
0: it's,
1: it's a combination of this. I was going to ask you what's worse, what he does here or uh, in a later scene when they're having they're playing poker and he, he tells one of his subordinates, the guy that's about to get married, tells him, hey, I'm going to send you out of town so I can spend some time with your fiancé before you guys get married so I can teach her a few things. <laughs> Which one is
0: worse? That one's awful because the guy's like, "This is just indignant." The the other one, he like cuts the guy's dick off. It's like, "Yeah, man, you can teach her to cook." He's like, "Oh no, I'm gonna teach her more than that. That's too much woman for you." And the guy's just kind of like, "Yeah," and there's really not much he can do. That's Terrence Howard should have had that role. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, we get Sofia Vergara and Tyrese having sex on a washing machine. This is a, a, the generation before us, Leo. You ever have sex in a washing machine before?
1: It seems overly complicated.
0: But that is something that in, you know, sex comedies of the day or the generation before us. There seem to be references to, like, women sitting on a washing machine and, like, the the sex appeal that comes with that. There's the sex scene on the washing machine and... Um, running scared. And so I guess that was kind of like tantalizing. Also, washing machines used to be much smaller than they are now. Um, (laughs) I'm not tall enough, nor am I packing like a Peter North (laughs) down there to where I could make that work with the washing machine I have.
1: What is, uh, but I don't get it. Like, what is the thing? Like, is it that you just, if you're a guy, I guess you're a girl too. Like, you just kind of like stand there and let the machine's vibration do the work for you? Because well, It seems a lot less fun.
0: <laughs> I imagine you can do the math on a woman sitting on a running washing machine. But yeah, I don't I don't know. For the dude, it just seems like a lot of work, which I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they talked about it like they had done it many times before, just like when they were 16 is what Sofia Vergara says. So God bless. I think like with most <laughs> AI took over our sex lives and we basically just, you know, <laughs> we don't put as much fun and effort into it anymore. See, the problem is they um, they cut to them, you know, going at it, and it's basically just like what you think. She's laying on her back on the washing machine. Tyrese is above her. What they should have done is, like, have her set it up. Like, I've got it set. What did she say? I got it set to spin, just like we were 16. And so we see him walk in there, and then when they cut back to it and they're having sex, they're, like, in some extremely elaborate position <laughs> where Tyrese is also on top of the washing machine. Like... <laughs> doing like a handstand or something um, yeah they're vertically 69ing on top of the washing machine and the, the insurance guy's like oh my uh
1: there you go <laughs> fixed you know the, talk th- this about is...
0: subverting expectations
1: <laughs> uh speaking of therese though this this made me wonder this took me back to to the time when he was not just a Fast and the Furious punchline I think it's a shame that now that that's just what he is that's what he's known for oh he's Roman from Fast and the Furious and who's Roman? Roman is just a guy Roy makes fun of so do you remember back in the day when there was when seeing Tyrese in the movie didn't mean that he was just going to be the butt of jokes and he was actually somebody that was going to kick ass and, and he looked like he had a career he could have been a superhero <laughs> now he's not
0: yeah, because he'd only done a few things before this, and he had that um, military movie with James Franco somewhere, somewhere around this time, and oh, then he uh, was in Annapolis. Yeah, and then he was in fucking Transformers, and it really seemed like, yeah, he was going to be an actor because he's not, he's not bad at all. Maybe, you know, let's let's start to lay the groundwork for a Tyrese comeback. Not that he needs the money, but.
1: It can't be us. It has to be the other three brothers. They have to shame him into coming back to (laughs) to the right path.
0: Why would he, though? That motherfucker is getting royalties from Fast and the Furious and Transformers. That dude, he don't need shit. But that's why.
1: He doesn't have to worry about money. So he could just do artsy movies for the rest of his life.
0: Man. Get uh, Michael Haneke directing Tyrese Gibson.
1: It'd be like that Tom Hardy movie that's just all Tom Hardy driving. Just Tyrese,
0: But that's the name of the movie. Tyrese, it's just him running errands. <laughs> My favorite room in the house. I already set it to spin. All right, Julio, explain to me the situation here.
1: Or are we gonna get to the the potential heel turn for Andrew Benjamin?
0: Yes. So I know what happens, but I want you to explain it to me. <laughs>
1: uh Well, before before, here's the question: Did you buy it? Now that you've told me that you didn't really remember much about this movie, so we were both on the same page, and I have no problem telling you that I, I was not sure. I, you know, the movie started flirting with the idea that maybe Andrew Benjamin was so hard up for money that he might have killed his mom for the insurance, and mm-hmm. I was like, no way! Like that is, I, I like. I had this feeling that I would remember if that's what had happened. And and he's, out of the four brothers, he's obviously the the sweetest, the most likable. He's a family man and uh, seems to have the most common sense. Uh, but that also got me thinking, well, that's exactly why it would be such a good twist, right? Uh, that would be like Shyamalan level of, of surprise if you told me that, no, he was actually this criminal mastermind that had decided that his way out of uh, financial trouble was to hire two killers to get in bed with uh, with Chewie and then get two killers to to murder his adopted mother so that he could claim $400,000 in insurance money. So I was on the fence. I was like, you know what? I'll tell you this. Whichever way it happens, I, I'm going to be happy because either it's a great twist or they they psyched me out about it enough. Uh, what was your experience?
0: I remembered how this ended. So I knew where we were going, but I couldn't remember how they got out of it. And so I was like, wait, what? And, you know, I was kind of trying to piece it back together on my mind, which made it fresh. You know, I, the ending was spoiled or whatever, but I I still couldn't remember how they got out of it
1: but do you remember it was not mark wolbert boxing against andrew benjamin
0: <laughs> yes correct
1: yeah i mean that, that would have been amazing but yeah no that's not what happens okay so so he was andrew benjamin is innocent <laughs> don't believe the lies he is just uh, an honest businessman that wouldn't play ball with the gangsters run the government in the city so they shut down his his attempt at Starting a business, and uh, and his mom noticed, even though he hadn't said anything, she noticed that he had gotten in trouble with the officials, with the mob, and whatever. So she went and started trouble uh, with the with the police. You know, she she filed a report about how his son had was being harassed, and uh, she filed that report with Josh Charles. And Josh Charles never filed the report. Instead, he. Because he's a dirty cop, he told Chewie about it, and Chewie got her killed. Now, she had taken a policy for $400,000, a life insurance policy that would benefit Andrew Benjamin's kids, her granddaughters. That's a completely separate development. But of course, to the outside looker, (laughs) somebody like Tyrese, who's doing sleuthing on his own, uh, yeah, it could look like this lady got killed and then adra benjamin benefited <laughs> enormously from her death so cuz
0: their their thing is like he was paying her bills and he's like i pay all her bills like yes. you know he, he had that rightful moment of like i'm the only fucking adult here <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes when they finally confront him about it he he makes a pretty good case for himself which is like are, are you mad that she was willing to set a separate uh, policy for my family when I'm the one that was taking care of her. I mean, that's, it's a pretty good scene. He's that is his Oscar clip. I don't think I, he can't compete with uh, Terrence Howard in the crime department and he can't compete against uh Garrett Hedlund in the heartbreak department. But when it comes to righteous indignation, <laughs> I think that he's got the edge on the other brothers.
0: Agreed. Yeah. We learned that camp tiger claws dirty. He's in bed with, uh, victor's sweet terrence howard figures it out he confronts him at a bar and you know they're speaking really cryptically or he is he's he's playing pool and he's like take a shot he's like i think your cue's crooked <laughs> and then he hits him with the pool cue to kind of make his point point. and this was the biggest shock of something i didn't remember because he guns down terrence howard outside this bar terrence howard's gone 45 yep. minutes left in the movie
1: it's like I don't know, man. I wanted to be there for the big finale. I mean, the sexual tension was palpable during this this confrontation. But I was I was happy that it was it was this brutal because it would have been too easy if Dennis Howard had just prevailed and arrested Josh Charles. You needed this to to go badly, it's especially because it's on the heels of probably the biggest tragedy in the movie since the, the mm-hmm. old lady buys it at the beginning that is that we lose garrett headland as well in fact their their funerals are (laughs) intercut they happen at the same time
0: (laughs) headland's acting in this is tremendous too he gets shot in the street by some of sweet's people and you know he's calling for help for bobby it's pretty heartbreaking and like his just acting of like what's going on in his selling of the gunshot is uh heartbreaking
1: this is the one thing i remembered I remember that Garrett Hedlund died and uh, it really colors the way that you watch the movie and you watch his performance when you know that he's doomed because everybody picks on him. He's he's the youngest and um, Wahlberg's always teasing him and none of the other three brothers take him seriously. He's always kind of like falling behind, uh, but he's also the one that's always in a good mood and uh, when you watch that, knowing that he's going to be the one that doesn't make it to the end, it's uh, it adds this, this very tragic element. So, I knew it was coming. It was still, I I thought it happened at the very end. I did not expect it to happen before we got to the third oh, act. Oh, yeah. So, he goes running after that kid, and I was not expecting him to get a shot right away.
0: We need a setback for the good guys, that's for sure.
1: How'd you like that that big set piece? where the, their mom's house gets turned into grated cheese.
0: It goes on a little bit long, but it's fun. And also, you know me, I was very happy that it was all squibs and practical <laughs> explosions and shit that made me happy.
1: So real blood pouring out of uh, Gary Hedlund's mouth.
0: And this is where Andre Benjamin kind of crosses the line of no return because he kills that guy. He tries to get away from this. He doesn't want anything to do with this. But the one of the, you know, thugs breaks into their house and has a machine gun and he hides around the corner and pops out and just stabs him numerous times. Like he's the shape screaming. uh, I
1: have a family.
0: Yeah. It's it's brutal. Your heart breaks for the guy. Yeah. I forgot to mention uh, one of the previous like sequences where Tyrese is going around sleuthing out um, what uh, Andre Benjamin's doing. The guy he talks to at the construction site is Adam Beach. Famously played kick and wing and Joe Dirt. So just wanted to wanted to make sure we had that on the record.
1: That's a tiny chainsaw.
0: <laughs> tiny chainsaw. The remaining brothers devise a plan to buy Victor Sweet off with the four hundred thousand dollars from their mother's life insurance. Arriving at Fowler's, Angel subdues him. Jeremiah goes to meet Sweet while Angel's girlfriend, Sophie, heads to the police station where she tells them that Angel is planning to kill a police officer. Hearing the sirens in the distance, Fowler believes they are coming for Angel until Angel opens his jacket, revealing a wire. Angel claims the whole conversation was taped, including Fowler's admission that he killed Green. Terrence Howard. The police arrive at Fowler's in full force, at which point Fowler gets the upper hand on Angel. With his gun pointed at Angel's head, Fowler tells the officers outside to back off. And despite telling him they're going to rescue him, Fowler opens fire on the officers who kill him. Uh, I have a note here that says, hell yeah, fat kid. There's just this (laughs) little portly child that's practicing his swing and Tyrese buys him off with some baby Ruth's and I think 20 bucks and. it's the one last like moment of this is the like a bad guy is he sends (laughs) the kid up there to you know sell candy bars for his baseball team and uh Blake just looks at him he's like what do you want and he starts talking and he just takes a candy bar from it and shuts the door in the kid's face without paying him and so he immediately gets what he deserves a bag over his head from Tyrese Gibson
1: (laughs) what's uh what's the most satisfying moment here Alex uh Tyrese putting the bag over Josh Charles's head and almost killing him that way. Um, the realization that Sofia Vergara wasn't betraying Tyrese, but, ha- but actually was in on it and was tricking the police into showing up where, where, where they needed to show up. Or the realization that Tyrese never had a wire to begin with. And, and he fooled Josh Charles into getting shot by his, by his fellow officers.
0: I mean, him outsmarting Blake was pretty satisfying i kind of wish she had had a more of comeuppance than just getting gunned down in the street but you know that's a pretty undignified way to go uh, yeah i forgot about sofia was like oh girl what are you doing but then it all kind of <laughs> came together yeah vindication oh bobby Mercer, <laughs> back in time come on, bobby. you're gonna be the one man come on bobby bring it on baby what you got Meanwhile, at the frozen over Lake St. Clara, Jeremiah meets with Sweet, who reveals that he intends to kill him. And man, uh, Chewy looking extra flossy in this scene, with that (laughs) white mink or whatever he's wearing that hat. Jeremiah then reveals that the $400,000 is to pay off Sweet's henchmen who are already embittered towards him because of his blatant mistreatment of them in exchange for killing Sweet sweet angrily demands to know who will be the one to kill him just as bobby shows up they're out in the middle of nowhere there's nothing (laughs) around you can just look and see a hundred miles in any direction and mark Wahlberg walked there (laughs) Uh, he just shows up coming into into focus and then you know they have the they live fight scene here pretty much
1: yep it's 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 a pretty good entrance is this the coolest mark Wahlberg entrance in his filmography do you think
0: very stone coldian, yeah, yeah.
1: Now that I texted you about this, or at least I made a reference in text about this. Uh, could you hear Chewy just going King Kong and got nothing on me while he was ranting and raving in this this climatic scene?
0: I think he put enough of his own spin on this, but yeah, I when he realizes everyone's like turned on him, he's he's he still has that like. None of you are going to fucking do anything and just kind of like going off on. He's surrounded by like 15 dudes and he still is so defiant. And he goes out that way, too.
1: This is just doubling down the movie, doubling down on the idea that. The system is so broken and America, is so fucked up that sometimes you do have to take justice in your own hands. And this is not uh, this sort of uh, timid ambiguity that you got in that sentence, which we've referenced earlier uh, this is a hundred percent john singleton and his screenwriters telling you uh well this is how it had to happen yeah <laughs> it was i'm sorry but the justice system failed us and if if we wanted to get chui out of the out of the streets and protect people then this is how it had to happen and that's it, Alex. I'm not conflicted about it. I watched it and he convinced me. I was like, yeah, I can't come up with an easier, a better uh, resolution. Can you? <laughs> Do you want to sue him?
0: They, you want to take him to small claims court over this?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to serve him papers?
0: So Bobby beats him to the point where he can't, you know, answer the 10 count. And then they just throw him into this hole that's in the fucking frozen over lake. Goodbye. He's out of the picture.
1: Andrew Benjamin doesn't blink. He's being hardened by this life.
0: I don't know, man. <laughs> he he like looks off into the distance, and to pay tribute to Terrence Howard, he says, "I don't know, man." <laughs> uh, the three remaining brothers, taken into police custody, are beaten in an attempt to make them confess to the murder of Sweet, but give up nothing. Uh, and this is kind of our happy ending. They get thrown out, and Sofia Vergara and Taraji P Henson are there, and you know they. Their women are waiting for him and Wahlberg's like, you know, he withstood the beating and they all three of them were making cuts about, you know, I was banging your wife or your mom, that type of thing. And Wahlberg's just like, I want my possessions. Yo, give me the fuck out of (laughs) here. And uh, the movie ends. It looks to be around Christmas time. So about a month has expired since we started and they're rebuilding their mom's house. And we get the realization that Wahlberg might be there to stay.
1: I mean, there may be other criminals that need to be killed, <laughs> dealt with, the police is not going to do anything, so this might be a, a Max Payne prequel. I don't know what he does to Max Payne, I just know he's is a
0: This is a much better movie than Max Payne.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All that right. was Four Brothers. That was Four Brothers. We fought our way out of that movie. Now, we're going to fight our way into real talk. Are you ready, Alex.
0: Let's move this along.